Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, Deep Dive with Andy and the White Whale. Welcome to the Deep Dive. Another week of the offseason as we get ever closer to opening day here for the NFL season, Andy. Uh, are you ready to dive into the AFC South this week? Oh, yeah, for sure. It's changed too. My my prep for these has changed a little. Normally, you know, I'd check out the Football Outsiders Almanac, read there, uh, check out part of Warren Sharp's stuff. The you know, he has like ten pages for team, and like two of them are useful. They just filled a lot of fluff in that one this year. <laughs> there's just a lot of fluff in some of these guides now. It's like there's a bunch of charts that don't mean shit, but there's some decent stuff in there. As much as we pick on Warren. And, you know, a few other places I look for some stats. And once I start finding some other things or some context, you know, we look at uh, the the draft and transactions they made in the offseason. But uh, one we've had to add now is players that opted out. Mm. Like it's a, it's a whole new dynamic to handicapping the offseason NFL because we're up to like a couple dozen now. How's the uh, how's the rest of the return of sports treating you so far? Uh, you getting a little overwhelmed here? You just you're just cruising. You're just cruising right along, crushing out winners week after week in golf. It's really golf quite is, cool. Golf to see. is so fun because congratulations. This is very cool. And I'm not very good at uh, majors, so we'll see how that goes in a small sample size. Like I've done well in Masters, but I think my worst tournament ever was a U.S. Open because they do it's it's similar to if we want to make football analogies since we're doing football i mean you see the props that you get on an nfl sunday for a game you might get some field goal long field goal and like 20 other ones but on you get to the super bowl and there's a thousand per book and not all of them are overlapped same thing with these these big tournaments there's going to be so many matchups like the I feel like it should be a good thing when they offer me a huge menu because I can pick and choose, but somehow it does, it goes awry. So hopefully I can keep it going this week. It's fun that we have a big tournament. Uh, beautiful course out there in San Francisco. Sure. A lot of fun. I thought we were going to do, I thought we were going to get a playoff last week. I was going to, I was going to ping you there when we hit the playoff and you didn't have your back. I wasn't paying attention at all. Yeah. I was way out, out, out of the loop on that one. But, yeah. That well, it's been, been great. The hockey guys are happy. We've had some overtime hockey already, which is super exciting. We've had some good basketball. The, the, and Frank, I just talked to Frank about this over on the show I did earlier about uh, the NBA totals. I'm sure you've been talking plenty of NBA. I haven't caught up with all your stuff yet, but the the whole, oh, it's a weird gym down there and the unders are going to hit because they can't shoot. Well, they're, they're professionals. Like, <laughs> you know, these are grown-ass men who have played, played professional basketball. This isn't, you know, a couple of teams that have to go play in a weird field house for – the the swack tournament or something and yeah shooting might be tough there but like they'll get used to this everything's gonna go back to normal for the nba so that's sure. good because i didn't want to see a shitty product there and i think i the think pay, it's been great yeah, yeah the pay, <laughs> yeah the pace and the shooting have been pretty good the defense has been good for the teams that actually play defense and the stars are stepping up so yeah the nba product's been good a little bit of nhl i've watched so far has been good and obviously baseball's you know, they're trying their damnedest. 
they're doing what they can. I was just talking to you off air about the the NL East standings. We have the Braves at seven and three, leading the division, and in second place, the Marlins at two and one. Little, it's a little uneven so far on what uh, some of these teams have been able to play, and we've got more COVID. But I don't know. We'll see how baseball goes. Honestly, if baseball had to scrap it all, it wouldn't surprise me. Because it seems like they've made it through the rockiest time, at least. I don't know. Like now, the Cardinals have a shitload again. Yeah, but as long as it's only one or two teams, it seems that, like they're just going to put their heads down and, and furrow through it. You know, they're just going to they're just going to bull uh, bull their way right through until we can get a Yankees World Series. Um, the I, I guess speaking of a lot, you know, you mentioned a lot of stuff there. Uh, it's Tons worth noting. Uh, so check out some of the on. content uh, that you're working on. You got uh, daily shows you're doing with Frank. Yeah, over on just Guru Lead Betting. Nice man. Uh, and you're doing your bubble show with them, which is a lot of fun. I've I only yeah. had to watch one, and I, I made Frank send me the audio so I didn't have to sit there and watch the video. So that, <laughs> that was, was nice. smart. I know they yeah. should just turn that into a podcast. Yeah, no, so I, I think they. I, I'm. I'm going to push them to, for that too because it's worthwhile. Um, same with the. That, yeah, check out also uh, doing some content for NBC Sports and Roto World. Uh, some uh, pretty much all of the bets that I'm going to make for the NBA from here through uh, the postseason. Uh, I'm going to put snippets on uh, Roto World that are pretty short bites talking through the angle that I'm playing and where I see value kind of reading the market a little bit, uh, should be worthwhile. So check that out. Most of it's on my timeline. Um, but yeah, pretty exciting that we have all this cool new media opportunities and, um, you know, really this is all our second, you know, second and third passions here until the NFL really gets here and we can dive into the halftime periscopes, which we plan on doing again and, um, you know, do our two, two per week NFL uh, preview pods, which I'm extremely excited for. So, uh, shaping up to be a pretty busy fall for us in a lot of yeah. ways. And, I was uh, just talking to somebody about that. Not only the the two week NFL pods, but we're going to have to try to sneak in some standalones. I don't see oh, how we don't true. bring somebody on and talk somebody about the Masters, that's somebody about the Kentucky Derby. Like we're gonna have to. They might be some shorter episodes. Maybe we'll sneak some like half hour standalone. Great in idea. Where God, we do that great from. idea because it, it's crazy. Like having a Masters and a Derby in the fall. Like, I'm pumped. If you're pumped right now about all these sports coming back and football it's on the horizon. Get, yeah. Imagine yeah. you still get the Derby. You get the wood. Is it the Preakness? Honestly, I don't even know which one they yes. ran already. The Belmont, the Derby, the Preakness. Yeah. They get the, you get the possibly U.S. Open tennis. I think mm-hmm. that's happening. Definitely the French some, Open. They're going to yeah, play. You're going to get some go- good golf tournaments. It's uh, it's very exciting. So it should Great be point. a good fall. Hopefully, you know, it feels like everything's held together with Band-Aid, Scotch tape. And a couple of, you know, it twi- is. bread twist ties. But <laughs> if, yeah, if we can keep our shit together, just, it's, it's been a lot of fun. I'm enjoying this. I've got hockey, basketball, and baseball bets out for tonight. Yeah, we strong, just, strongly agree that this is a lot better than the alternative, which is, uh, you know, sitting around trying to be, uh, uh, you know, ping pong, Russian ping pong experts. I don't have that in me. <laughs> <laughs> no way. I can't handicap a sim. Um, so yeah, no, this is this is it's just good to having it all back in. Um, be sure to check all of this out. Let's dive into the AFC South today. Um, again, you know, we're doing sticking with the same format where we do two teams uh that we think reasonably are likely to end up at the bottom 
of the division today. One of those, a little bit of a controversial pick. We're steering away from the market sentiment in a general sense um, and away from some of our sharp friends too, I would say. Um, And it'll be an interesting one. I can't wait to hear your takes in detail. I haven't really given any you know, sunlight to my true thoughts about this team, but we'll save that surprise for later. Let's talk about what is not a surprise. And that is that we expect the Jags to finish fourth among the four teams in the AFC South, the Jaguars 16th among the 16 teams in the AFC. (laughs) Yes. That's a fair expectation as we head into this season. Um, the Jaguars are coming off of a six and ten year, where by all accounts they exceeded expectations. Even um, I know that they made a deal to bring in Nick Foles last year. They postulated that they were going to be this competitive team. Look at all these blue chip players we still have on defense. Well, all of that went sideways real relatively quickly, and they got a competitive play out of their six round quarterback in Gardner Minshew, which really opened up a big debate. And it's really kind of the key. Um, you know, the key question to ask about the future of this franchise, which is if Gardner Minshew is capable enough of a quarterback to, um, you know, to compete for a division title, aren't you better served investing all of your assets to put an amazing team around him while he's on this impossibly great rookie contract? And that really sets things up here. But before we even get there, the attrition even from what was a marginal team last year, was pretty severe this year. They lost uh, Jalen Ramsey mid-season, uh, you know, via trade. Um, they've, you know, more and more, more hugely um, important pieces, A.J. Bowie, Kalei Campbell. Um, they felt like almost all of the experience across the, uh, the entire defense uh, outside of uh, Yannick Ngakwe and uh, Miles Jack, uh, pretty much everyone... Uh, is either a first or second year player, right? Yeah, Ngakwe. Uh, say it for me again. I'm so Yannick Ngakwe. Ngakwe. Like he might be it. I'm not even sure. I'm super sold on Miles Jack anymore. And it, it's tough to rank some guys when it, it's easier to look good when the rest of the defense is good around you. And maybe sure. there's some. Maybe there is something to that. But yeah, the the defense we saw in the AFC title game. It feels wow. like a long time sure ago. Does. Everything feels like a long time ago right Oof. now with the, the way the time is flowing for me. But honestly, that feels like 100 years ago. That defense <laughs> has been decimated. It's crazy that Blake Bortles took him that far. I don't even think he's on a team right now. I think he's a full-on just free agent out there floating around, which maybe he'll find a team after a couple backups opt out. But uh Yeah. The defense lost a bunch of pieces, and let's just, you know, a lot of what we're covering here is this offseason, but just from that title game until now, lost a ton of pieces, hasn't filled in the best. They're going to start, probably start a couple of, at least one rookie. Like, you obviously have to start Henderson, the guy you drafted pretty highly, but there's going to be a need to start some of these rookies they took in the first, second, third round pretty quickly because they're full of holes. It's going to be a bad team. Like you said, the six wins was actually a little bit above Pythag. Yeah. They they were more of a five win team, which eh, good for them, I guess. That's, 
they they overachieved a little. It was a, and it was an uneven season. Like uh, when did Foles get hurt? Was it game one? Uh, he broke his collarbone. Was, yeah, was it, I couldn't remember. It was the second game. I'm thinking Ben, Big Ben. But yeah, right away, and you know they they had Kessler on the roster, and then they cut him. And like they, you know, Minshew was what. Fifth, sixth round, seventh? I don't know. He's way down. He was there. a sixth round pick, I think. Sixth round, yeah. yeah. Tom I don't Brady think they, type of air. <laughs> yeah. They weren't fully expecting him to, uh, when they draft him, you know, it's a flyer to depth thing. And he ended up starting quite a few games. He looked really good in a couple. He wasn't terrible. And I don't think he was Great personality. And, yeah. Great mustache. Yeah. He's just a mustachioed Brady at this point. And I, I, like, I like that they're just ready to... Do the season with him. Like, see what you This is not a season where you're going to compete. It's not a season where you're even going to compete for a wild card. See what you have. Yeah. See what, you know, there, there's other, there's some quarterbacks coming up in the ranks in college. See what you got. If you don't like what you got, you need to be ready to draft. You don't need to bring in a veteran and start them to get you maybe one extra win where you finished six and 10 rather than five and 11. Or yeah, if they're that, 14, that is, if they're 16 games. Like, yeah. There's no sense in that. See what you have in Minshew. I like that they're doing that. Um, and I'm, oh man, this might be a, this might be kind of a controversy. I'm, I don't hate Jay Gruden. Mm. He's not, he's, he's not going to be the guy that takes an offense to like some higher level. But he's I don't not, disagree he, with that. He's not terrible. He was bad as the leader of a program. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. If you give him the responsibilities of an offensive coordinator, does it look a lot different than him as a head coach in, in, uh, for the Washington football club? Yes. Yeah. Football team, I guess. Right. Football Um, club. I like football club. This should go that. (laughs) We should, we should be like that lawyer in the WFC. And we should, we should uh, trademark that before the podcast goes out. Somebody else Mm. doesn't do it. DCFC. I mean, you're right. Yeah. You take, take the responsibility of the head coaching off him. I mean, he's been a coordinator. He's, yeah. he's, he's not going to be like this top 10 offensive coordinator, but with the offense they have right now, I think having an experienced guy like him to try to see what he, cause hopefully, and again, you know, we're just speculating on what we would do, but if I'm managing this team, I'm telling Gruden, like, this is what we need out of this season. We need to see if we can go forward with Minshew. So yeah. you can't – this can't be a running offense. This can't be a, a short – you know, the depth of target has to go up, and we have to be throwing a bunch. Yeah. And, and you know, give him advantageous spots to do it. Don't just throw to throw. You know, throw when they're not expecting it. Get him moving. Uh, that's the thing. He is like a West Coast guy, you know, West Coast offense guy. Maybe we get Minshew moving around a little, rolling out a few other, maybe some, maybe some pre-snap motion would be good. Anything, try to help him out. Anything. Maybe, yeah. maybe we see a little bit more out of the kid. I don't, uh, I don't have a strong opinion one way or the other. Like if it works out, you got a lot out of a very small amount of draft capital. Good yes. for you. And if it doesn't, it doesn't feel and that bad to move If it on. works out, you have them for two more years on the most cost-controlled contract across the entire NFL. Yep. You're paying him nothing. And he's, you know, potentially could compete for, uh, you know, division if you get the right pieces around him. 
I guess I don't mind it at all from a team building strategy. The key in my mind, though, is you don't have the pieces around him to even really get a very meaningful evaluation done this year, I don't think. Um, everything kind of went sideways for the Jaguars from a team building perspective. If you go back to drafting Leonard Fournette, what number four overall, what would you like to have a redo on that one? Uh, yeah. That's um, I, cause I mean, in my mind, Leonard Fournette is, you know, is not especially different than, uh, you know, your average replacement player from the running back standpoint. Although looking at kind of what he compiled some statistics last year, he was a compiler, I guess. What's the what's the disconnect here? Because I think of the running game for the Jaguars as being quite poor. Uh, I think of his contributions to passing game being negligible. Um, what does the what does this Jaguars team do well? Period. Offensively, I mean, they exist. They they play well. <laughs> they travel well to London. That's uh, if we're looking for a silver lining. They're good at that. But yeah, this was a serious disconnect, and I just I didn't have enough time to fully run this down. Maybe this is a good project for somebody with a bunch of game film or something. But he had more rushing yards than Dalvin Cook last year. Jeez, Leonard Fournette, we're talking about Leonard Fournette, the Leonard Fournette, the okay. Leonard Fournette. I, I I had to look and just make sure. I don't know. I had to look and make sure I wasn't looking at like a 19 or 2019 preview when I started looking at stuff. Like, I don't understand. And granted, I didn't watch, I didn't watch a whole lot of Jaguars games. We weren't seeing, again, you make the Cincinnati joke. If you see him on the red zone channel, it's probably their defense. But yeah, he had, he had more rushing yards than Dalvin cook, but they, as a team, rushing were 30th in success rates. And yeah. I don't, mm. I think we, we say success rate a bunch and maybe never explained it. And that's something I kind of wanted to touch on because those things, there's a disconnect there. You say you had a, you had a guy rush for almost 1200 yards. I mean, what was his yards per carry? I thought you, uh, it was like over four, <laughs> he had yeah. over four yards per carry four, last year. 4.3. He only had three touchdowns. Like that's not great. Especially if you're a fantasy guy, but and if you're that ele- big of a back, yeah. 11. Yeah. He's, he's a decent sized dude. He's six foot two twenty five. If you go 1150, almost four and a half a carry, but your team is still 30th in success rate. What does that mean? Again, we didn't run back and look at every play, but it just means a lot of those are probably dead yards. So success yeah. rate and it and success rate is going to vary based on what what you're what you're using it for. And when you're measuring success rate for a running back, it's on it depends on the down. You need to get mm. 40% of the yards needed. So it, it doesn't matter if it's first down and 10 or first down and five. If you get 40% of the needed yards and first down, that's a successful play. Yeah. If you get 60% of the yards needed on second down or 100% on third or fourth, which obviously if you don't get 100% of the yards on third or fourth down, that's a very negative outcome. So that's how you measure success. Yeah. So, you know, our, our, our thesis here is that he had a bunch of runs that didn't mean shit. You know, yeah, you, you right. can you can knock off a seven yard run on a shitty draw play when it's third and fifteen. The defense doesn't care. It makes his stats look good, 
but it wasn't a successful play by any means. Yeah, yeah, right. A seven-yard run on first down is great. If you're able to do that against the defense who does not want to give that up, that's good. But in third and 15, third and 20, you give up a seven to 10 yard run. The defense is more than happy with that. The, yeah. you know, the, when they run the draw play, the odds of that getting the first down are so low. They're more than happy to keep you in front of it. So Absolutely without, true. without digging into that guessing, we're seeing a, a ton of empty carries because their success rate was just so low, especially for a team that was trailing in a ton of games. So, yeah. You know what it reminds me of kind of what's that? It's like uh, it's like if garbage time Bortles was contagious, and yeah. he gave it to Leonard Fournette before he hit the hit the road. Um, but yeah, no, your point is exactly right. And I've just from memory, just from watching some Jags games, I bet a handful of them, um, I felt for sure like there were a lot of opportunities he got, a lot of touches, a lot of receptions where you know he gets tripped up in the backfield and maybe mate barely makes it back to the line of scrimmage, right? And so if you have a ton of dead plays, if you're that boomer bust. Um, but you can't score touchdowns and you can't gain, you can't gain the first downs in the super high leverage spots, then what good are you? <laughs> right. I mean, that was why Cam Newton is so dynamic as a quarterback is because he was always getting those first downs on the ground for you. He was always converting those red zone opportunities to touchdowns with his legs. Like, you know, if you, if all you can do is compile meaningless statistics from a running back standpoint, then I don't know that. Uh, you're an especially effective weapon, especially you know, particularly when you have a young quarterback like Gardner Minshew. Um, and it would be nice to take a little bit of the load off of uh, off of his plate, but that is not going to be the case. They have decent receiving threat threat in DJ Chark. Would you say? Yeah. Give him like he's a, he's above above uh, average across the league in terms of a wide receiver. Uh, maybe below 50th percentile in terms of a wide receiver one now. Yeah, honestly, like as a unit, you could do worse, I guess. I don't mind Didi in the slot. Eifert, if he stays healthy, these are nice complementary pieces to Chark and Connolly on the edges. Uh, Again, it's going to depend on what we get out of, you know, not only Minshew, but what kind of offense we see out of Jay Gruden. Right. Right. But yeah, no, DJ Shark could be great. Could be a very good above average receiver. And again, it's one of those things like we talked about with Miles Jack. Sometimes you can have a pretty good receiver and you don't know it because of the situation. Sure. That's a good, it's a fair point. Um, I guess overall, I have questions about the line. I have questions about the weapons in the passing game. I have uh, questions about. Uh, the usage and deployment and, you know, explosive explosiveness of the running backs position. Um, and I don't think Gardner Minshew ceiling is really all that high, I guess. And that's what comes along with being a six round pick. I mean, it's very rare nowadays to have, you know, true talent slide that far in the draft. And it's tough for me to say, okay, well, this guy it can lead you on a comeback, you know, from down two scores. Right. I mean, he can potentially put together a game winning drive. We've seen it. Um, he could potentially, uh, you know, he's going to stick his nose in there and get hard yards for you and, and try hard. That's for sure. Um, but I really uh, think that even if everything goes right, the best case scenario, Jay Gruden's offense is perfect for him. And you really develop this kid. You're probably still talking about him, the 20th best quarterback in the league, if everything works out right. Yeah, there's going to be some bad quarterbacks. So, 
And but even then, like with the defense and some of the holes in the defensive side of the ball, if you have the 20th best quarterback performance and you have, you know, this sporting cast, which is somewhat weak and an offensive line that's a little bit questionable, like we're not really looking at more than five wins for these guys, right? No, I mean, just, you know, there's always going to be coin flip games and there's probably six of those on the schedule, but they're favored in one game right now. And yeah. That, that's I'm just looking at a chart I have here. I don't know if that's under, you know, some of this could have flipped, but I don't see them, you know, hosting the Browns. It's not like off-season money's coming in on Jacksonville versus that that's going to flip it <laughs> or, you know, Miami. There, there are games that'll be close, like games where they're under a field goal dog, Miami, Cincinnati, the Lions, the Texans at home, mm-hmm. uh, hosting the Browns and then they are favored hosting the bears late in the season. But there's also five games that they're over a 10 point dog. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of, they are the, they are the proverbial sandwich team for a lot of good teams across the week, which obviously sandwich spots are up for debate that they exist or not, but for sure there are some motivational aspects that come along with, Hey, we're double digit favorites against this terrible team. We're going to kick their ass. Um, the, I guess I would say the, um, the overall production talent, what they did in the draft, it's all, it's all fine, but the talent across the defensive side of the ball and what you're going to ask all of these young, young players to be contributing. Uh, I don't see this setting up well at all uh, for these guys to find success, uh, even in division. Um, brand new rookie cornerback. You're starting CB1 and uh, CJ Henderson. Takes these guys years to get to the level where you can, you know, be thrown out on an island like that and uh, and do well, especially in this type of a system, which is which is really challenging. Um, similarly, the the names that you see across a lot of key positions here are head scratchers in terms of well, we haven't seen this guy really produce materially like we expected when he was drafted, or you know, who is this guy? <laughs> What what kind of contributions are you reasonably expecting from some of these replacement level players on this squad? Um, I also have massive, massive questions about what the vision is retaining Doug Marone, who looks to be the obvious kind of lame duck among head coaches across the NFL. As I was saying something nice about Jay Gruden, I almost wondered about that too. That can't feel good. He, unless he's an absolute oblivious idiot, he has to know, like, hey, I haven't shown any success for the past couple of years. I got to be, you know, three years here. I got to be a little bit on the hot seat. And now my offensive coordinator has head coaching experience. That's that, that can't make it. So I don't know. It's either pressure, uh, pressure true. makes diamonds or he just crumples and, and it sucks for him. Not that I'm going to say like I'm a big Marone guy and I hope he does well. And I think he's, he's, uh, you know, again, a victim of circumstance. Mm-hmm. But again, like it's going to be awful tough for him to make it uh, into the head coaching spot in 2021, I would think. What do, you, what do you do if a guy keeps winning five games? I think you let him go. I think you start from scratch. Um, yeah, I, I, I would like that. I, especially because Doug Marone and the the statement that, or, you know, like what's his contribution to building this team, to developing these players? Um, you know, you saw a lot of defensive players kind of rot on the vine here, 
right? Like some of the best defensive players we've seen in the last little mini generation here came through Jacksonville um, and, you know, either bailed on this team overall, bailed on this coach or, uh, you know, never really realized their true potential. Um, So I'm not sure Marone is my guy going forward for sure. And, uh, but your point is probably fair in that it's a reasonable buy spot to expect Jay Gruden to do something better with this offense than John DiFilippo did last year. DiFilippo has turned into kind of a disaster. The wheels are kind of spinning up here now. Now, like, you know, I I just made some points about Gruden. Like, you know, you start to put these people, put yourself in there. got a lot of Andy Dalton. Yeah, I mean, yeah, those those weren't bad offenses. Uh, Granted, he had more pieces there. Like, uh, that's sure we're going to sit here and stump for Andy Dalton. But those weren't bad offenses. But at the same time, you know, I, I put myself in in Marone's shoes and maybe the management shoes. But again, if I'm Jay Gruden, uh, I see the, the same thing. Like if Marone sees it, Gruden sees it and we see it like this is his chance to get right back into that head coaching chair. He just has to make this offense look good, but not that, you know, and the team, the team wins five games, but uh, maybe Minshew takes a big step forward. The offense is good. Yeah, that's the key. It can't be helped that the defense is shit now. They win five or six games. You shit can Marone. Maybe you promote, maybe you promote from within. Say, this is a guy that had coaching experience. This is the NFL. We recycle coaches all the time. Yeah. uh, It's not the super like bold prediction that Jay Gruden is the head coach next year. Yeah. This was one of the five worst defenses in the league last year, and they are less talented. So this team is not going to be winning very many games. Uh, They had what the 24th ish, 25th ish best offense last year, something in that ballpark. It was low 20. It was, uh, you know, I guess it was mid 20s. Um, If you're exactly right, if you get to league average offensively, if you're, competitive in games and losing, you know, if you're covering spreads, if you're losing 27, 24, instead of 41, 10, um, I do think Marone's gone and you could see Jake Gruden take a, take a bigger role. if He has chemistry with Gardner Minshew. Um, I don't know. There's still, there's still huge questions with this offensive line. They still have, uh, you know, they, they, they don't have an easy schedule at all. Um, this is going to be a very challenging year for the, for down in Duval. And, um, you know, I mean, you, you don't want to draw the AFC North if you're in the AFC and they did, <laughs> you don't want to draw, uh, the, uh, the, I guess they got the NFC North, which stinks. So that's maybe some coin flips that we were talking about there. Um, but you know, there's, there's, comp, you know, pretty high competition at the top of this division, you know, that are a league average or better teams. Um, so it's going to be very tough for you to get division wins. Um, and I mean, at some point, if Minshew doesn't take a step forward, if, you know, if Marone continues to lose the team, the locker room, whatever, um, it starts to make a hell of a lot of sense for you to position yourself for top three pick in the draft. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, especially especially if Minshew isn't clicking, because then you you absolutely need to start focusing in on a quarterback, whether it's the spot that you get through the through the draft or moving up into the draft. And yeah. like my my head my head says that Minshew probably will never be a league average or above, 
yeah, quarterback, but my heart wants him to be good. Like you said, he's 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 fun. He's a he's a character. Like we like those. Yeah, absolutely true. He's the league is better off with more guys like that, especially young guys who are gunslingy, you know, gunslingery. Um, and yeah, I mean, the Jags are going to be fun in certain spots. They, um, I guess, you know, their weak, their, their, their weaknesses on defense are pretty glaring and they're anyone with a capable offensive line that can neutralize Ngakwe, anyone with a capable, um, you know, m- middle to downfield passer, like the Tannehills, like the Rivers, like the Watsons in your league, in your division, uh, they're going to put big time points on you. They're going to put pressure on you, and it's going to be awfully tough. You're not going to be able to, uh, you know, run anything conservative offensively. You're going to have to take chances. Minshew's that guy, though. So there's, you know, there's a there's a little bit to be optimistic about. I guess um, you want. Did you know or did you hear? Did you see that back in February, the original line they hung here for the Jags season win total was six and a half. Yeah, that'd have been nice. If you currently wanted to bet under six and a half, you could not pay the minus one ten that was hung way back when. You would be paying minus three ninety one. <laughs> that is the steamiest move that I can see across the entire NFL win total betting space. Currently, they are the lowest win total at four and a half, minus one fifteen to the under. There is zero room for error to bet that under four and a half. Would you agree? Yeah, no, I'm not touching that. <laughs> like, like, well, just like I said, there are a lot of these coin flip games where they're under a field goal dog. And these are, these are teams we're going to pick on if we already haven't, you know, we didn't have a tear. Uh, we were bullish on Cincinnati, maybe a little more long-term, but at the same time, it's, it's still not a great team. Like there's going to be some of these games that they just, they win despite themselves. I mean, look at Miami last year. You know, they lost their first couple games by a combined million points. And like, oh, man, these spreads need to be like 30 points. And they still, they won some games. Like if Detroit doesn't click, that's a game they can win. That's a home game. They host the Dolphins. They host the Browns if that's not working. They host... The, the Bears, like they could, they could easily get four home wins, and then all they have to do is end up with you know some sneaky win at the end of the year. Maybe the Colts aren't as good. The Bears, maybe, you know, maybe <laughs> Rivers. You know, there's just start looking at some of these teams are playing. They played Rivers twice. Uh, you know, Big Ben. As much as I like him, Rogers. Uh, I mean, there's some injury risks for some of the quarterbacks they play as well. So it's a big difference if they're playing against Brian Hoyer at the end of the year, because rivers finally, you know, succumb to an injury. Mm. So, yeah. yeah. Four and a half, I'm, I, I can't touch that under, but again, I'm not, I'm not excited to say, Oh man, they're getting five wins for sure. I'm thinking like, that's a pretty sharp goddamn number right now. I think. Yeah, I agree. And um, your volume got a little low on me. Um, oh, yeah? Just check your connection. Yeah. Um, How's that? You know, I, oh, Brilliant. Beautiful. Um, 100% agree. If you bet under six and a half at minus 110, you get a CLV uh, merit badge. That was an amazing bet you made. Infinity um, <laughs> if you If you are sincerely considering betting a Jacksonville season win total, I would ask you to please think about 
um, how much this has already moved and how much of that information is, you know, how much of the, uh, you know, reasonable expectations, seeing their schedules, seeing, uh, you know, what happened with this team in the off season, how much that impacts things and four and a half is the right number, you know, be very, very careful betting this win total over under, um, especially because you're right. They have like some frisky spots. They have some, and they're early in the season. So like before they really know that it's over, <laughs> they're going to be competing pretty hard. Um, even home week one against Indianapolis is kind of intriguing. Um, that opened at like nine points. It's been bet down to like, uh, what, eight or even less. Like there's a, you know, there's, there's a little bit of a correction already coming back in terms of how, um, you know, how bad this team really is. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm cautiously optimistic about the potential for this offense to compete. Uh, there may be some opportunities to get on some depressed totals, uh, especially looking at their schedule and the fact that they have back-to-back divisional dog spots in the first two weeks of the season. Like you could see two pretty competitive, low scoring ish type of games. Right. And then you may get kind of an under, uh, you know, an underpriced total in say like that Miami game or that Cincy game, right. Maybe we get like a 44, 45, something like that, that we can really uh, sink our teeth into an over on. Um, what do you think of uh, just, is there any telltale um, way to approach these guys from a betting standpoint? Uh, I, hey, that uh, that week three game is a Thursday nighter against Miami. What kind of total do you think we're going to see on that? I'll tell you right now the um, the week one. Uh, What's the total for Indy? Jags Indy is forty four and a half. Yeah, I mean, probably similar forty three. I'd probably set it at forty two, forty three. Ooh. Ooh. Like Safety. I don't, I don't, I don't think I'd want to go higher with it. I, I, defenses be damned. Oh, and not only that, but it's really hard to set a Miami total right now because week, yeah. week, week three might be we might be all the way done with uh, Fitzy time already by then. Yeah, yeah, no guarantee that week one is Fitzy time. <laughs> I got to tell yeah, you, yeah, no, that'd be a lot I, of positive buzz coming out. I hope, I hope so. I'm glad to. Yeah, sidebar, I hope to is, or I'm very glad the injury is trending towards the good. I, yeah. I'm, I'm hoping he can uh, he can start right away. I don't know, maybe the spot where I'd back them is extra rest at Cincy, depending, you know, if there's a little Burrow buzz. That might be a fun game. Then that's a, that's a rough spot for him, second straight roadie, having to go to Houston, it's a it's a pretty bad matchup for them, and then Detroit's off their bye, so three two two road games followed by playing a team with a lot of extra rest. Detroit's passing game should have a, a heyday with that defensive secondary. Detroit Shit. team Detroit team total over twenty six and a half for me there. Ooh, I like. I have, I have no. I like it. It'll be funny if it's close. I should go check what the lines are. They won't have totals up for you. But um, heading into the buy, so then they get extra rest. But it's a travel spot out to all the way to the West Coast to the Chargers, followed yeah. by Houston coming off their buy, following by going up to Green Bay, who is coming off extra rest from Thursday <laughs> night, and then you get Pittsburgh, Cleveland at Minnesota. 
Tennessee, Baltimore before you get into the maybe an easier one with Chicago. It's a rough yeah, schedule. A little bit of a maybe, you know, That five game the four, stretch. Yeah, the four and a fall. half. The four and a half, as much as we're saying it's a tight margin, don't bet it. It wouldn't surprise me if they if you win get, like yeah. three, four games. Yeah. I mean, they got to six last year somehow. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> Crazy, they you know crazier things happen. Um, okay, well, I think we gave them fair, uh, fair shine. Not a ton of thoughts or original ideas about the Jags. Um, you know, not going to watch many of those games. <laughs> I'll tell you. Um, who should we talk about? Third place in the AFC South. And did you give this much thought yourself, or did you just know that I thought these guys were third, and so you were catering to my um, interest had, in talking about them? We had a mini conversation. I said, "We know who has to be. We know who has to be last." But honestly, the next three teams are kind of tight for me. And yeah. you know, one has a star quarterback, one has a star running back. And one has a lot of expectations with some of the offseason signings. And, you know, they've all made the playoffs in the past couple of years. It's it's not granted if you go back far enough, all these all four of these teams have had some success, but it was tight. But yeah, I definitely I gotta give Tennessee, you know, the they gotta go on the second podcast because they made the playoffs. They did well. They made the title game. You can't yeah, your AFC, your yeah, AFC runner-ups. Yeah, you, they were leading. Yeah, you can't, you can't throw them in this one. So you know, it's a toss-up between Houston and Indy. And while some of our sharper friends are high on Indy, which maybe we'll have to uh, interview him, figure out what is going on with uh, some people that love Indy. I'm, I'm not super sold on the move uh, with Rivers. I'm not sold on the team as a whole. And, you know, I guess if you're giving me either team, I'd take Houston over Indy. So we decided when we were both kind of in lockstep on that, we said, yeah, Indy's probably Indy's probably our Monday team. So sorry. And and if you do have some hot takes on why Indy and Rivers is going to work out, hit us up with that. They, you know, I guess they have some continuity at the coaching. Uh, Rivers is, I, I don't think he won't, he'll have trouble. He'll step in and be fine. He's a smart guy. He he loves this goddamn game. This guy, mm-hmm. this guy. If it's him, this gosh darn game. He's 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 very. You know, you got to think he's going to acclimate himself pretty quickly to a new setting. Even though he's never done it before, he's just he's a smart player, and he's sure. You know, he's a hard worker. I would think it's just. Moving the kids up to Indy is probably a, a trade, especially with God knows what schools are going to be doing in the fall. If he has to, maybe that's something to look for in your home. home. If he's homeschooling nine kids because they're doing remote, if they're having to do, I mean, how many iPads do you got to have to do all them Zoom meetings? Oh man, he better have he better have got a good deal. I oh, got twenty five million. He can afford iPads, but yeah, they uh, who's the backup there now? It is Brissett again? Brissett, Hoyer, yeah, Hoyer's up in New England. Um, they lost Devin Funches, and then the Packers lost Devin Funches. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Because <laughs> he did That's opt true. out. I didn't even look at that. I did see that, though. Um, you know, we skipped Jacksonville's part on that. They did have two opt-outs. It wasn't anybody huge, but it was a couple of defenders, which isn't helping their their uh, 
it was an edge guy and a D tackle. So that's not helping the depth at all defense in Jacksonville that they already don't have. Indy, I don't think has any opt outs, which uh, mm. who knows how long who no who knows how long it'll last. But yeah, I'm not seeing any so far. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm not, I'm cautiously pessimistic mm. on on what they did in the offseason and where they're headed as a team. Seven and nine, little bit of an underachievement, Pythagorean-wise, but was it really? This was one that we did the preview, and then like two days later, Luck retired last year. So yes. we're st- maybe we're still just kind of mad at the Colts for ruining our preview, but <laughs> I I have them... V- like I have Pessimistic them out of spite. Yeah. <laughs> I have them power ranked very similar to once I did my, my Jacoby Brissett Indianapolis Colts last year. Like that. I don't have them as being a huge upgrade and I nope. like Phillip rivers. I like some of the moves they made. They went and got Xavier Rhodes. Good luck with that. Like he's, he's not good anymore for some reason. Maybe he'll thrive in a new environment. Um, they didn't have a first round pick. They, you know, did they? I'm not they sure. Gave they gave it trade, up for Buckner. yeah. They traded. They traded back. Yes, they they gave it up and got to Forrest Buckner, which, I mean, he's a he's a nice part of this defense now. They have yeah, a nice he's a blue chip uh, yeah, player. Yeah, they have uh, actually. They're kind of their front two levels. They're pretty solid, but yeah, they 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 don't do it for me at enough levels. They don't do it for uh, uh, T.Y. Hilton staying healthy. They're going to start a rookie running back and go with a super old quarterback. I guess we'll see how it goes, but I don't. I don't have a super high ceiling for this team. I guess is where my headspace is at. Yeah, yeah. There's a, and you know what uh, is funny. I think I'm in the same place as you, where I have like all of these conflicting feelings and thoughts about these guys. Um, I have they like they've done some things. They have some pieces on this franchise, specifically this team. Um, where it's like, oh, that's great. And then you turn around and you look at something else and it's like, oh, well, what, what happened there, right? And I guess I'll start with the GM. Because I, I, I feel this way about all the things that I like about the Colts. And actually, so let's start. Let's actually start with the coach. Um, this is Frank Reich's third season. Oh, we like Reich. I like Reich. He was awesome two years ago with uh, Andrew Luck and company. They overachieved spectacularly. In 2018, he made gutsy decisions on when to go for it. He pushed the needle. He knew, you know, when to. He identified high leverage spots and really made some great calls. It was awesome to see. It was very much like, wait, was Frank Reich the secret to the Eagles being amazing in that Super Bowl against the Patriots and that whole playoff run, or was it something, you know, Peterson and company, or the analytics department there, or the Nick Foles specifically? Like, you know, like it became like pretty clear to. Um, to speculate that Frank Reich was a lot of the part of the good, uh, you know, the, the good we saw out of Philly. And they looked amazing in 2018. I went into last season and he was pretty clearly in my top five favorite coaches. I was, he was, he was way up there for me. Now, last season with the retirement of Andrew Luck and Bringing in Jacoby Brissett. Brissett got injured too. It wasn't. It wasn't an easy year to be the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. Let's give it was definitely not. It was not an easy year, and to a degree, I almost feel like it gave him some sort of PTSD or something. 
because the entire system that they had and kind of the, the, um, you know, like the mold breaking concepts that they were introducing the previous season were pretty much all gone. And at certain times during the season, notably in games where I thought they should have been able to, uh, you know, leverage certain advantages, they were, you know, underwhelming. Um, notably Thursday night football against the Texans. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Um, that was, uh, they only ended up losing 20 to 17, but they got thoroughly beat in that game. And most of what they did coming into it was we're going to run it down your throat. Um, and you know, by, I guess by about halfway through the season, it looked like Reich had kind of given up on whatever he was going to get from his quarterback position. Um, and just said, okay, well, we're going to lean pretty heavy into being a running team and we're going to give, uh, you know, Mac and Hines and, uh, and, uh, Wilkins, we're going to, and Jonathan Williams, we're going to give these guys just a boatload of carries and, you know, run it down people's throats because I can't trust Brissett to make the reads I want him to make in the passing game or, and, or he's limited because of an injury and, or, you know, Brian Hoyer is going to lose us this game against Miami and, or, uh, you know, my kicker. Adam Vinatieri is going to miss these super oh duper God, important I, high leverage. I forgot kicks. about the Vinatieri, just the tilt that Vinatieri gave you personally last but year. But even that was exactly kind of encapsulating what I feel like was a regression season from Frank Reich as a decision maker. Right? You have an older kicker. He's proven that he can, you know, do only do X, Y, and Z so far for you. Right? Yet you still are comfortable take, attempting field goals. Right. When you're getting X yards per push with your incredible, you know, all universe guard uh, and just good, solid offensive line, you're going to get these conversions, but they would settle for field goal opportunities. And it was extremely frustrating. And it was like, what happened to the Frank Reich I knew and loved? This isn't this isn't what I signed up for being on the Frank Reich bandwagon here. And I don't know if he's going to swing back into kind of the creative, awesome guy that we thought of with a quarterback like Philip Rivers, or if this is more heartache for, for poor Frank this season. Um, and I guess I'll jump specifically then to the coach. I mean, I'm no, sorry, the GM, Chris Ballard, universally loved everybody in the, everybody in the NFL circles loves this guy, thinks the world of him, thinks he has an outstanding eye for talent, evaluation, team building, all of it. What the hell happened this offseason? This offseason did not make any sense to me at all. On one hand, good job bringing in, uh, you know, a quarterback uh, who's kind of over the hill, you know, cast off and getting him on a relatively uh, uh, competitive deal. What well, they gave Rivers twenty five million. Like, if you know, at this point in his career, why? Who was competing for Rivers' services that you had to give him that much money? I think that was a mistake. They they went the right route in getting a retread, uh, but they didn't get the discount, which is a huge part of it. And yeah. they had so even, much even cap space. Feels so much cap weird. space. Like it was almost like they were an embarrassment of riches from a cap space standpoint. You don't need to give up a first round pick for DeForest Buckner. You just don't. Like I know you have all this money to spend and you know you want to make a you know you want an impact player on your a defensive line that can you know be a difference maker in the run game I suppose so you out, go out and get Buckner but to give a first round pick for him when you have all this money and you probably could have put together a pretty effective list of free agents this year it was kind of a head scratcher um and you know I don't know why you know I and you know you, you look across Houston Buckner uh you know these those are two good players I see weaknesses all over the place otherwise 
on this defensive line. I see problems in the passing game still, even outside of the court quarterback position in terms of wide receiver depth. I see problems in the passing defense in terms of who you're lining up as your two starting quarterbacks, cornerbacks. They're like from a team building standpoint, Ballard, I feel like whiffed in the 20, in the 2020 offseason. And I don't know if, you know, what looked like so much promise and all of these assets and, you know, incredibly talented draft a couple of years ago. I don't know if, I, if all of that is going to be for not because they have absolute exploitable positions all across the field still. Um, and it could be and wind up being their Achilles heel this season. Um, Philip Rivers last year, we were expecting him to be on like a 12, 10 to 12 win team for the, for the Chargers. They had one of the highest win totals across the board. They massively underperformed. People who are counting on Philip Rivers in the chart and uh, in the Colts uniform to bounce back point to his performance and it's like, well, he wasn't that bad. You know, he had a bunch of interceptions, but a lot of that was because he was under duress because the offensive line and for the LA Chargers was horrific. They were awful. Uh, and now you're going to put him in a more stable situation with some legit, uh, you know, ba- some absolute beasts on this offensive line for sure. He's going to have all the time in the world. But you didn't give the guy reasonable weapons to pass to anywhere close to the level that they had with the Chargers. And you waste a second round pick on a running back. Now, Jonathan Taylor may end up being rookie of the year for all I can tell you. I have no idea how effective he's going to be in the NFL this year. Um, but it was just, it was drafting a position that I didn't think they needed. And, uh, you know, and you have all of these other holes. So it's, I just, there are too many negatives for me to say, job well done. You guys put yourself in a position where you should be the favorites to win the AFC South, which is what they are currently to bet the Colts to win the AFC is plus 120. I do not understand this. And I feel like there will be numerous opportunities as we go through the season if this is the market temperature on this team uh, to take some swings against them. Yeah, and the, you know, get a veteran on a veteran deal feels good in some spots when you have somebody, I don't know if you feel as Jacoby Brissett's the future. Like, you know, that's... If you have you a guy, definitely can, don't even do this. If you do, yeah, think Brissett's uh, the future. Yeah, if you think he's the future, just play him. But I mean, if you have a real young guy, maybe a rookie, a second-year guy who doesn't have any experience, you bring in Rivers, you mentors him, it works out, or you're going for it. You have a squad that has a good chance to make the Super Bowl, and you know Tampa maybe wasn't that team a while back. It felt kind of weird, but with those receivers and what they did in the draft, all of a sudden it feels like shit going for it doesn't seem so dumb right now whereas this team it just doesn't feel like a hey we got you know a really good experienced quarterback to come in and that no i don't think anybody said like the colts are just a quarterback away from competing with the chiefs and the ravens last year like that's not where that's not where we were at that's not where we're at now yes they had some bad luck with the retirement and then even Brissett getting hurt they had to start you know they had to start but yeah, Hoyer for some games like that's, that's not great, but at the same time, they're, you know, they're not some team that's elite everywhere else. They have an elite offensive line. They have some good running backs. They have some really good 
defensive, you know, the defensive front line and honestly the linebacking core. Yeah, Leonard's awesome. Darius Leonard, we didn't mention him. He is a stud. Stud. Hooker at safety, maybe Rhodes gets his shit straight. Uh, They're going to – another team that's going to start – uh, it's a second-year guy. Rocky Sin is a second-year guy. Hate, hate him. Yeah. So, I mean, you're starting a second-year guy and a cast-off. You're starting outside corners in a passing league. We'll see how that goes. With, if Rivers has to throw it 40 yards a game, I don't know. Like The, uh, defense, the defense under Everflus, who's the coordinator, deep coordinator, is so vanilla and so uninspiring. I just feel like you are operating on a very, very thin margin when you're going up against teams that can score, teams that can move the ball, teams that are, you know, that are have, you know, complete and effective offenses. You are, you just, you have to be perfect. You can't have Philip Rivers go out in the first quarter and throw up a lame duck shot put that gets picked off and, you know, starts you on the, you know, starts you down a score before there's any time off the clock. Like that's, that was his MO last year. It's been his MO for a while. He's, he's kind of played his way in two games and won a lot of games for sure. Philip Rivers has, but uh, he is prone to the, you know, the, just the total boneheaded mistake, especially early in games. And with this defense, I just feel like you're going to be playing from behind a lot, which doesn't lean, you know, doesn't lend itself well to a team that, you know, has an offensive line that is built for the run game, has a bunch of running backs that are very talented. Uh, you know, like the ideal situation for this team is like, like what the Packers had last year, you know, where they get out to a, perfectly scripted first 15 they're up two scores and they can just basically take the air out of the ball uh and really um not let their defense get exposed yeah seven of their games are against playoff teams from last year it's a lot and it, it, it's not like the oh you know we should never we should never base a strength of schedule on records from last year like you know vikings ravens tennessee texans and who's the other, packers None of those are teams that are falling off the face of the earth this year. You know, we didn't have a yeah. ton of nice things to say about Minnesota and Green Bay. And granted, they are both home games for the Colts, but at the same time, these are still tough teams. So mm-hmm. I, I wish them luck. I guess maybe I need to read uh, read a couple of write-ups on this team for some people who like him. Uh, Hilton injured i mean i don't know that that's not predictive having a guy like get injured every year maybe not every year that's hyperbolic but he seems like he is in a guy getting injured isn't predictive of him getting injured again in most cases unless it's the kind of injury that is recurring but it just seems like they've had kind of bad luck over the past couple of years. So maybe we can just be hopeful that injury luck regresses. They stay healthy. Taylor's a nice addition to the back, the backfield. Pittman works out at the other side of, and the offense works. But I mean, they, I think they had a downgrade at the tight end. I think they're probably, you know, a downgrade. It might be a downgrade at corner bringing in roads. So there's a few spots. Yeah, there's a few spots that just aren't, I'm not super excited about. Yeah. And, and I did forget that, you know, they drafted Eason who was highly touted at certain times in his career at Washington. So maybe that is the project that they're going to work on. Maybe that is the guy that they're going to mentor under, 
under Rivers. That's the plan. Man, they paid Rivers 25 mil, yes. which I guess, like, Seamus got a million dollars. Like they're both yes. going to throw a bunch of this interceptions. Is, see, this is, this is now, now we're there. Now we're there. Like, and, and just the overall temperature of the Colts is like this team to, you know, a year and a half ago, there was so much promise. And I feel like a lot of it has been squandered and it is hurt. It's painful because these are coaches and GMs and even some of these players I really like, and I would like to see them succeed, but I just, you, I know with what you had in terms of cap space, with what you had in terms of flexibility, like you had the world in your hand and, you know, in the palm of your hand, you had so much draft capital last year. You had, um, you know, I'm not saying last year, but you know, two, two years ago and uh, this year, um, you know, coming with this squad after all of this uh, feels like uh, an opportunity that was wasted. Yeah. I wish I was more like, I like Rivers. I like the Colts. I like Reich. I wish I was more bullish on them. And maybe as we get into the season, things will start to shake our way. I think that's, I've seen a couple posts. I, I should be writing these fucking quotes down. There was a really good, uh, it was a really good podcast. That's nothing to do with sports. You know, most of my my podcasts are sports and economics, but this one was just more, I don't even really know how to describe it, but it uh, it had a really good quote, and it was from an economist, I guess, so never mind. I guess it was me, economics podcast, but it, it had to do with uh, Keynes and uh, somebody else that was famous back then as far as, you know, economists in that period of time and just being open to ch- changing your mind. As far as like, if, oh, yeah. you, if, sure. you're, if you're so stuck to your priors, you're going to fail in everything. That's like, yes. you have to be strongly, fluid. I strongly agree. And I think, I think this year is probably going to be even more so. You really need to be fluid. I mean, just look at what we've had to deal with in the NBA. Like, uh, there's a really fine line between being fluid with your thoughts, your processes, and your rankings, and overreacting to everything that's put down in front of you. In the NBA, everybody said, all oh, these totals are so low, all the smart peoples, they're saying these totals are low, and we're going to hammer these overs. And then the opening night, both games stay under by like 20 points. Mm-hmm. I mean, what was it? It was close to 20 the Lakers game uh, for sure. Both, it was like 15, were, yeah. Yeah, both were off by 15, 20 points, yeah. Yeah, they both stayed under, and some people panicked and said, oh, my God, we're wrong. The overs aren't going to hit. And then what? The second day, they all got six, blown Yeah, out six, yeah. six yeah. and Six and all. And, and on average, it was like not even close. Like, I think not. on average, they went 10 points over, which is just insane. Yeah. Yeah, no, and and you can't be taking, and it's tough in the NFL because the sample sizes are so small, and that's that's going to be the case in every sport right now with the you know bubble hockey, bubble NBA, and baseball struggling to get teams to even play all their games. So you do need to make wise judgments on smaller sample sizes. It's going to be tough, but I think you have it in you. I'm talking to you, right? Yeah, you know who you are. <laughs> You've got this. Um, yeah, no, this is all true. And, uh, I guess what kind of performances, I guess, when is the, when is the true test for Philip Rivers? Cause I'm looking at this, um, start to the schedule. He's going to be going up against a very young and inexperienced past defense with the Jaguars week one. 
that is not a test. He's going up against a very young and inexperienced pass defense with the Vikings week two. That is not a test. He is going up against a very weak pass defense week three against the Jets. That is not a test. Chicago has some holes in their secondary. That does not seem like a test. Cleveland, Cincy, Detroit. I mean, until you get to Baltimore week nine, you're really not facing the type of defense that is going to, you know, effectively give us signal one way or the other if we need to update our priors on uh, on Philip Rivers, I don't think. This is going to be a guessing game at least until halfway through the season. He could go, he could go 300 yards, four touchdowns every week for like the first six weeks. And those defenses are so bad. I'm not sure we're going to be able to make anything of it. No, it's, uh, it's going to be tough. And that, that's the thing too. You, you're not always going to get uh, enough time to judge something properly. And I think that's for you, the wisdom to know the difference. Like, <laughs> again, you know, a guy goes out and has a great game against a terrible defense throw context. We all say this. This is the the motto of the podcast, the motto of deep dive media, context, context, context. And you really got to put context to everything. It's just like what we let off with when we started talking about how many yards Leonard Fournette ran for and how low the success rate was for the rushing attack of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Like you can't just take one stat and run with it without context. So, yeah, you know, take everything, do some, we've, Maybe that's something we'll start to incorporate into the Sunday podcast once we actually get into the season is maybe pulling a stat or two from the, the, you know, the slate that we just watched and say, hey, here's a stat that looks pretty wild in the box score and here's why it doesn't matter at all. And or maybe here's a stat that looks pretty vanilla and here's why it's actually quite amazing that that team was able to do this. Great, great I, I call. Think, I like yeah, this. I think, I think that we, because me and you see that sort of stuff all the time, and it need, I think it needs to make the podcast a little more. There's, there's stuff like that that just, you know, if if you dig a little deeper, if you you look at the the reasoning behind some things, you can say, this is not something you need to make any adjustment for because it's it didn't matter. Like the, right. But this is these were you know the the obvious example is garbage yards, but there's there's a ton of other stuff like that too. So I think that can be a fun exercise as we kind of watch our Sunday red zone and all the games that we have on. Make our notes, yeah. Okay. Well, so Indy, um, real quick on their season win total, it opened at seven and a half. Again, over was minus one ten back in February. Yep. It got it got steamed. Um, it got steamed to hell. Or seven and a half is minus three forty-two now <laughs> from minus one ten. Not quite as much as the under steam uh, for the Jaguar six and a half, but pretty damn close. Um, and currently, if you want to bet this team over nine wins, you have to pay minus one forty. Okay, that's crazy. Like all of this movement, all of this steam, basically, practically two full wins that this is steamed now has making me want to be the buyback to a degree. Um, I don't know that I'm going to fully, you know, ever pull the trigger on this, but it's this this is just, it's too much for this team. It's too much. The fact that they're currently the odds on favorite to win the South, I think is kind of crazy. Plus one twenty. I get it that their schedule is easier than Houston's easier than Tennessee's. I get it that the sequencing is positive. Um, 
I just, you know, there's too much uncertainty at the quarterback position, especially too many holes in the secondary with, and the wide receivers. Like they're going to have, they're going to blow, they're going to lose some games that they should win over the course of the season. That nine is unbettable to the over. Uh, and I'm looking very, very hard at, uh, like an under eight and a half or maybe even under eight. Um, but not going to rush it. Um, do you think that, uh, that this is the perfect offense for rivers in terms of adapting on the fly and missing out on the preseason is going to be meaningless? Yeah, it's, it's probably a really good situation for him. Just like, if you're looking really big picture and you're Phillip rivers and you're trying to decide which team to sign for, it's like, you know what? Give me a dome. Give me five road graders in front of me who have kept, whoever's behind him upright for most of their career, you know, the short career that those five have been playing together. Like I'm, I'm fine with him making the decision. It wouldn't, I wouldn't blink twice. Can to give me 25 million to go play behind that offensive line in the dome mm-hmm. in the, in the beautiful Midwest. <laughs> I've been to Indianapolis. Nice town. Um, yeah. It's I no mean, San Diego. <laughs> it is, it's, it's, it's not as nice in the winter, but at this, and he wasn't playing in San Diego last year, I don't think. That's true, but he lived as much there. As, as much, yeah, he did. As much as I will call them the San Diego Superchargers for probably years. But, yeah, it, it makes sense for him. I mean, it, there are worse places to land if you're looking at it from his point of view. And having a good offensive line isn't going to hurt as far as your acclimation, your you know, breaking in process. And he's, yeah, he's I a agree. Smart, he's a smart cat. Okay. He's, so I think I think he'll be fine. Like there were worse places to land. Oh yeah, for sure. And the fact that they have such a soft landing in terms of opening four weeks of the season um, makes it uh, makes it especially very true. Good call. Makes it especially uh, uh, especially nice for them. Um, so then let's assume. I mean, let's assume that uh, that that the market has overreacted and that this is a a nine and seventeen or an eight and eighteen. What you're on the, you're potentially you're on the playoff bubble. You may get that seventh wild card spot, maybe not. Uh, what do you do going forward as a franchise if you are kind of squarely in the middle? I mean, even if it, even if we're, if I'm wrong, if the market is right, if the market hasn't even corrected enough, if this is a 10 win team, if this is an 11 win team, that this team wins the AFC South, we don't think they have any reasonable shot to compete with the big boys come playoff time. Would you agree with that? Winning a game versus Baltimore or Kansas City isn't out of the realm of possibility, but beating them both, that's tough. So Pittsburgh, no. I don't like them against and Pittsburgh as a matchup. Yeah. I don't even like them against Cleveland as a matchup. On the road, yeah, likely likely finishing, you know, uh, I guess the ceiling is the third seed. Yeah, that's your best case scenario. You draw the six, who's probably going to be Pittsburgh or Cleveland. Yeah, so playing playing a tough AFC North team followed by probably you know if if everything works out and everyone stays healthy, Kansas City and Baltimore in the top two seeds. It's yeah, it's it's tough sledding in the AFC. It's very very top heavy with those two teams. Yeah, those so teams, basically, teams haven't, low they haven't low worse. low low likelihood that they actually make noise in the playoffs. Yeah. So then, what in twenty twenty one? Run it all back. Watch Philip continue to regress. 
try to use your middling draft picks on a couple holes in your secondary? I mean, what you how, how do you improve this team going forward in a meaningful way, given what you've done with, you have a kind of this weird three-headed monster at quarterback, Rivers, who is a giant question mark as of age, Brissett, who you don't have a confidence in, you've told us, and Eason, who's, you know, fourth round project. You know, what, what is the future of this franchise look like? And did they, you know, is the stewardship, uh, you know, reasonable for Ballard and Reich going forward? Yeah, it's not an enviable position, I don't think, as far as going forward, long-term looking at it. Because like you said, Eason is a fourth-round project. If they don't see anything out of him, you're going to end up with a middle-of-the-road draft pick where either, I guess, either you trade up for a quarterback or trade for a quarterback or hope you can find some other second or third round gem. I don't know what you're doing long-term because like you said, they don't have the faith in, in Brissett and Rivers can't play forever. So yeah, I guess you're hoping Eason works out. I don't know. It's not a great spot to be in. Teams Do not figure, like. I mean, yeah, teams figure it out. I mean, it's hard to tell what the other 31 teams are going to do and you know what quarterback becomes the next big free agent that moves so i guess anything can happen but in in the near term as far as i can see i'm not jazzed about the the next five years for indy and it sucks because they have do they have the best offensive line Top top three top three yeah for sure you put you put together an offensive line like that you waste most of ty hilton's career you have a stable and decent running backs and a good defensive line and you're not going to have a lot to show for it. Yeah. So great. You're going to win your battles in the trenches. Like how does a forward thinking team like this with smart people at the top end up with this, you know, trench team, trench warfare team. How did this happen? I don't know, man. I feel like a lot of potential was was unrealized out of these guys. Really, what's what's your ceiling? Eleven? No. Uh, well, you know, I mean, the my ceiling is eleven. The schedule's, the schedule's, yeah, the schedule's really, not really, crazy. It's, like, it's really, really easy. It's really, really easy. And I, I guess let's be fair to our friend who is high on Indy. He's high on Indy from a regular season win total standpoint. Maybe not as an overall success as a team. So and I can, I guess I can see that because of the schedule and some of the the pieces that they have that can beat bad teams. Like they should yeah. beat all their bad teams. They're not a they're not a team that's gonna get beat uh, beat by a bad team. Yeah. See the problem is the two teams the, the two teams we saved for the AFC South, the Tennessee and uh, Houston combo. They have an effective quarterback and they have decent weapons in the passing game. Right? They have the they have the blueprint to put pressure on you scoring early in games with your weaknesses, with your defense. And that's a problem. I could see you going oh, drawing 0 4 there. At which point Cleveland, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, it's another three losses in my opinion. So you're talking about nine seven. Right, I think ceiling. You're talking about ten and six. You split with Tennessee and Houston. Um, 
floor you're talking about seven and nine you accidentally dropped some you weren't we were not expecting to the likes of minnesota detroit or green bay um maybe even the raiders i mean the raiders match up pretty well against this team too so it's you know there there are a lot of um uh there are a lot of question marks for me with the colts and you're right it's gonna be an entire season of updating priors and not getting stuck uh, you know, with some position on these guys, because it could go both ways, and it could go a long way both ways. Like with most teams, but definitely this team, because we have, we really have no idea if we're getting top ten QB Philip Rivers with easy schedule, or if we're getting um, mid link to bottom Philip Rivers with a team that can't stop the pass. Mailing mailing in for twenty five million dollars, Philip Rivers. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's just because I'm an awful person, but I would just like fake an injury the first game. Be like, oh, <laughs> give me my money. I'll be in this bed. I'm hurt. My back, it hurts so much. Back injuries are tough. Like you can't say, oh, you don't have a back injury. You don't know, man. It hurts. Hey, Philip carried. He's uh, old he, enough. Just say sciatica. He carried that Chargers franchise for so many years. His back probably is hurting. That's true. Um, okay. Well, let's put a bow on this here. Um, and talk about the top two flawed contenders, I guess is my favorite way of, I really, all three of these teams, they're flawed contenders, maybe fatal flaws. We'll see. It's like but a good reality show. Houston and Tennessee next heroes. week. <laughs> yeah. Right. Knowing that's so good that we just can glow about them. We got to be. Brutally honest. Point out their flaws. I know. I was going to be so high on Houston this year. I know. And they didn't They didn't help that. They fucked it all up. We'll do it live. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Talk to you on... Uh, yeah. Talk to you later this week. We'll figure out what day. And we'll do the uh, last two of the AFC stuff. Word up. This is a good one. We'll talk to you later.